Preface and Chapter One of the Story of Manhattan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Story of Manhattan by Charles Hemstreet. Preface Here the history of New York City is told as a story in few words. The effort has been to make it accurate and interesting. The illustrations are largely from old prints and wood engravings. Few dates are used. Instead, a table of events has been added which can readily be referred to. The index to chapters also gives the years in which the story of each chapter occurs. Chapter 1. The Adventures of Henry Hudson the long and narrow island of Manhattan was a wild and beautiful spot in the year 1609. In this year, a little ship sailed up the bay below the island, took the river to the west, and went on. In these days there were no tall houses with white walls glistening in the sunlight, no church spires, no noisy hum of running trains, no smoke to blot out the blue sky none of these things but in their place were beautiful trees with spreading branches stretches of sand hills and green patches of grass in the branches of the trees there were birds of varied colors and wandering through the tangled undergrowth were many wild animals the people of the island were men and women whose skins were quite red strong and healthy people who clothed themselves in the furs of animals and made their houses of the trees and vines in this year of sixteen o nine these people gathered on the shore of their island and looked with wonder at the boat so different from any they had ever seen as it was swept before the wind up the river the ship was called the half moon and it had come all the way from amsterdam in the dutch netherlands the netherlands was quite a small country in the northern part of europe not nearly as large as the state of new york and was usually called holland as holland was the most important of its several states but the dutch owned other lands than these they had islands in the indian ocean that were rich in spices of every sort and the other european countries needed these spices these islands being quite close to india were called the east indies and the company of dutch merchants who did most of the business with them was called the east india company they had many ships and the half moon was one of them it was a long way to the east india islands from holland for in these days there was no suez canal to separate asia and africa and the ships had to go around africa by the way of the Cape of Good Hope. Besides being a long distance, it was a dangerous passage, for although from its name one might take the Cape of Good Hope to be a very pleasant place, the winds blew there with great force, and the waves rolled so high that they often dashed the fragile ships to pieces. So the merchants of Holland, and of other countries for that matter, were always thinking of a shorter course to the East Indies. They knew very little of North or South America, and believed that these countries were simply islands, and that it was quite possible that a passage lay through them 
which would make a much nearer and a much safer way to the East Indies than around the dread Cape of Good Hope. So the East India Company built the ship Half Moon, and got an Englishman named Henry Hudson to take charge of it, and started him off to find the short way. Hudson was chosen because he had already made two voyages for an English company, trying to find that same short passage, and was supposed to know ever so much more about it than any one else. When the half-moon sailed up the river, Hudson was sure that he had found the passage to the Indies, and he paid very little attention to the red-skinned Indians on the island shore. But when the ship got as far as where Albany is now, the water had become shallow, and the river-banks were so near together that Hudson gave up in despair, and said that, after all, he had not found the eagerly sought-for passage to India, but only a river. Then he turned the ship, sailed back past the island, and returned to Holland to tell of his discovery. He told of the fur-bearing animals, and of what a vast fortune could be made if their skins could only be got to Holland, where furs were needed. He told of the Indians, and the river which flowed past the island he spoke of as the River of the Mountains. The directors of the Dutch East India Company were not particularly pleased with Hudson's report. They were angry because the shortcut to India had not been found, and they thought very little of the vast storehouse of furs which he had discovered. Neither did the company care a great deal about Hudson, for they soon fell out with him, and he went back to the English company and made another voyage for them, still in search of the short passage to India. But in this last voyage he only succeeded in finding a great stretch of water far to the north that can be seen on any map as Hudson's Bay. His crew, after a time, grew angry when he wanted to continue his search. There was a mutiny on the ship, and Hudson and his son, and seven of the sailors who were his friends, were put into a small boat, set adrift in the bay to which he had given his name, and no trace of them was ever seen again. Long, long years after that time, another explorer found the passage that Hudson had lost his life searching for. It is the Northwest Passage, far up toward the North Pole, in the region of perpetual cold and night. So Hudson never knew that the passage he had looked for was of no value, and we may be sure he had never imagined that there would ever be a great city on the island he had discovered. The Dutch came to think a great deal of Hudson after he was dead. The stream which he had called the River of the Mountains they named Hudson's River. They even made believe that Hudson was a Dutchman, although you will remember he was an Englishman, and were in the habit of speaking of him as Hendrick Hudson. The Indians were scattered over America in great numbers. The tribe on the island were called Manhattans, and from that tribe came the name of the island of Manhattan. All the Indians, no matter which tribe they belonged to, looked very much alike, and acted very much the same. Their eyes were dark, and their hair was long, straight, and black. When they were fighting, they daubed their skins with colored muds, war paint, the white men called it, and started out on the war path, 
they loved to hunt and fish as well as to fight and they fought and murdered as cruelly and with as little thought as they hunted the wild animals or hooked the fish they held talks which were called councils and one indian would speak for hours while the others listened in silence and when they determined upon any action they carried it out without a thought of how many people were to be killed or whether they were to be killed themselves end of chapter one